We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How's it going, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Math Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. I'm joining you today on Thursday, January 25th. Uh, the Mavs, they are not in a good place right now. Uh, on the court, probably not off the court. I don't know what's happened with this team, but uh, it's really disappointing to see how they've played uh, over these last three games. It started with the Los Angeles Lakers. Luka made his return from an ankle injury where he missed several games. Um, and, you know, they got blown out in L.A. by the Lakers, a team that, you know, they've had a lot of success against previously. So you lose that game. Uh, the team has been banged up. Then you have the uh, extended rest period and un it, under unfortunate circumstances because the Golden State Warriors, you know, they're – their assistant coach just, you know, uh, unexpectedly passed away. And so that Golden State Warriors game got uh, postponed and, you know, it it, it led to an, expend, an, an extended period of time where the Mavs got to rest and then they came back and they lost to the league-leading Celtics. So, you know, it, you kind of expected that one, but the way they lost, it was disappointing just like that Lakers game. And then – you know, having two consecutive losses, you just think, okay, well, they're going to come back and they're going to have a bounce-back win against the Phoenix Suns on Wednesday night in Dallas, another home game. And for the first one and a half quarters, they did just that. They were up by 16. It was 46 to 30. And then from that point on, it was just downhill, and the Mavs ended up losing 132 to 109, just a completely inexcusable collapse, uh, the third consecutive deflating loss. And, you know, there's there's plenty of blame to go around. Uh, I'm going to bring my guy Grant Afseth on here now. He is here with me. Uh, you can find all of our work over at DallasBasketball.com. By the way, you can find Grant on Twitter at Grant Afseth, and uh, you can follow his stuff on YouTube as well at Grant Afseth. But Grant, I mean, this is this is just an inexcusable third loss, in my opinion. I mean, the, the team came out, and I said it before the game, too. They had to come out, and they had to have this game because if you didn't, things are going to start feeling a little spooky because, uh, you know, now they're 24 and 20. If you take away that 8 and 2 start that they had at the beginning of the season, they're 16 and 18 cents. It's not great. And, I, I mean, look, they, they've had injuries. That That's one – reasonable excuse that they can have 
you know, not having continuity, not have, you know, they have the most starting lineups out of anybody in the league so far this year. So they've got that as an, as a legitimate excuse. It's not just making up excuses, but you know, there, there comes a point in time where you look at how a team plays and, you know, the lack of energy, the lack of enthusiasm, lack of fire, pride, whatever you want to call it. And I, I hate to put all the blame on Jason Kidd, but I do, I'm do. i a big believer that the players on the court, the product that's on the court, they play as a reflection of their leader on the sideline. And I feel like that's what we're seeing with the math so far because, you know, Kidd, he, he's, he's got a low-key demeanor. He doesn't get really excited or, you know, mad at the refs or anything like that. And I feel like the team needs some fire from him. They they need him to step up. And, you know, when Luca's not getting calls, step in and take a technical for him. You know, Rick Carlisle used to do it all the time, got his guys fired up. He knew when to press those buttons and when to, you know, when they needed to be pressed. And right now the Mavs just don't have it. So what are your thoughts on that Phoenix loss? What went wrong? Am I am I misplacing blame here with Kid, or I mean, am I kind of on the right track that they they need a little bit more coming from the sidelines, even though they do have a limited roster and they've had all the injury issues? Yeah, I definitely think that uh, it's safe to say they're not getting the most out of their players, and I think that is a reflection of the coaching staff. I think uh, you no, know, whether it's a different type of coach or you know the coach they have now, not capable of getting the best out of their players you know that's a different you know subject but regardless this one is not getting the most out of the out of their players so i think overall when you look at how that game went down uh you know they had a really strong start they were shooting extremely well from three and then that tapered off in the second quarter as it went on and then they gave up they basically gave up their lead uh before halftime they were up by like what one point uh at the break after being what, it wasn't even one point because you know Luca was complaining to the official about something after the buzzer sounded. So the the Suns started off with a technical free throw and tied it before the the third quarter started. So yeah, it was gone completely. That just tells you how reliant on three point shooting a team can be, where they can have a double figure lead and have it evaporate that fast within a game. And then the uh, the snowballing gets even crazier after the break where they're just they got outscored by Devin Booker alone in the third quarter. And, you know, they at one point, sorry to cut you off, but at one point it was like a 46 to nine Phoenix run. Just that's inexcusable. That can't happen when you have a guy like Luke on the team. So, I mean, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, Phoenix, they tightened things up. Uh, they made adjustments at halftime with their pick-and-roll coverage, how they were doubling. And, you know, that's a reflection of Frank Vogel, you know, getting the most out of his group by, you know, turning things around, tightening things up, you know, get strategically adjusting how the approach is happening. And I do think all at once – when you look beyond the the coaching as well, the roster just isn't very impactful for consistent high level defensive execution and offense relies very heavily on three point shooting and not having Kyrie Irving in the lineup made that more, you know, obviously challenging for the offensive element of that. But overall the team is very inconsistent because they rely on a consistently inconsistent nature for an identity where 
they're relying on their three-point shooting to a very high degree because when Luca gets the ball taken out of his hands with blitzing or he's got an ISO, uh, like very frequently, there's just a lot of uh, limited one-dimensional players that are kind of hanging around, uh, not really able to make too much of an impact because there was there was a time where or times I should say where players were attacking downhill, even you know not relying on threes, but they just got lost. Like they're leaving their feet, turning the ball over, not with a clear like outcome to to pass the ball to. Uh, there's just a lot of uh, limitations. Like there's there's not many options where things kind of you know slot, slow down and you're needing a bucket and you're not relying on Luca to get it and someone else can actually get it and defensive stops don't come consistently. So I think just it's just overall you look at it where the roster is not a very talented group and the coaching staff's not getting the most out of that roster in itself as well, which creates a you know a very inconsistent team as we've seen. Well, I mean overall, I mean I feel like there is talent on the roster in a nutshell. I mean, I there I feel like there's enough guys do think do certain things well on this roster, but it's the same old story with the Mavs where you have guys being overextended from what their role would typically be on other teams, like Derek Jones Jr. for, you know, that's a prime example. He normally wouldn't be a guy that that starts in my opinion. But he is on this team, and to his credit, he's been he's been pretty good this year, given what's been thrown at him. But that's just that's just not who he is. You know, he shouldn't be having to shoulder that type of load, and it just shows how you know the the, the totem pole for this roster. You know how it's kind of out of whack. And I don't want to, you know, you mentioned the three point shooting, the heavy reliance on it. And that's one of the reasons why I, you know, as much as I think Jason Kidd could be doing a better job, you know, uh, getting blood out of a turnip is how I how I like to put it. Like that's what Rick Carlisle used to always do. And I know people have stuff to say about how the the Rick Carlisle era ended in Dallas, and you know how he, you know, players butted heads with him and all that kind of stuff. But you have to tip your hat to him. The man knew how to get the maximum out of his roster, even if he was shorthanded. Like, I remember several times, like back in the day when, you know, Dirk was out and, you know, they were rolling out teams where J.J. Barea was your featured player uh, for certain games in New Orleans that I was going to. And they would they would blow teams, you know, they'd blow the Pelicans out <laughs> in some of those games. And, I mean, that was a common thing with, theme with Carlisle, you know, when they were shorthanded. And they were going into a game that people were thinking, oh, well, they might not. I, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, they're probably going to win this game. That's not the case with with Kid. I don't know what it is, but he just doesn't seem to get the most out of his guys. But I try not to put all the blame on Kid because, like you said, they, they rely so heavily on the three. And I was looking at this last night, Grant, and you can give your thoughts on it too and just see you know, if you think the correlation is – is big enough that it's actually a thing, but in his 2.5 seasons so far of coaching the Mavs, the only period of time where the Mavs have played exceptional basketball is in the second half of his first season. So the 2021-22 season, you know, when they, they caught fire in the second half of the year, they made the Kristaps uh, Porzingis trade for Dinwiddie and, uh, Davis Bertans, and they went to the Western Conference Finals. And 
a big reason for that was Jalen Brunson and how he elevated his play. And some people will say that's the biggest reason why they went on their run. I don't view that as big of a deal right now just because Kyrie Irving is such a great player. They did get Kyrie Irving. I, you know, Jalen Brunson was a big part of it, but I don't, I don't view that as like an issue right now specifically because Kyrie is great. We've seen it. Kyrie went head to head with Brunson not too long ago and he showed, you know, why he is the better player right now. Now, a few years down the road, <laughs> that might be a, a different issue depending on Kyrie's health and everything. But right now, that's not a thing. But another key part of that run that the Mavs made was Tim Hardaway Jr. was injured. He had a foot injury, and he was out for the rest of that season. And it's just funny that over the last three years, three seasons, the only stretch of exceptional basketball the Mavs have played, Tim Hardaway Jr. just so happened to be out for the rest of the season. And, you know, they weren't relying on his streaky shooting and all that. They had to find different ways to win. Um, and it seemed to work out pretty well for him. So I guess having all that said, is Tim Hardaway Jr. more of an issue for this team than what, you know, what most people realize? He's been – I mean, I don't see how they win some of the games they've won this season without his production because with all the injuries, they've needed him to go off some of these nights. But, you know, big picture-wise, is Tim Hardaway Jr. holding the Mavs back? Because it's kind of it, it's kind of weird to look at all that and say, well, okay, they played <laughs> – they made a Western Conference Finals run without him, and every other time he's been playing, they've been, you know, kind of a middle-of-the-pack team. So what do you think about all that? Yeah, I do think relying on him to the degree that they do definitely has a big factor as well as some of their other wing players as well because they just I just think it boils down to not having answers on the wing because there was times last night, for example, where, I mean, not one game is like such a huge, massive indicator of anything, but when they were up, they flew, they, they were moving the ball around. He was settling for really like contested threes that were like, that's not a good shot, like, like, like kind of like wow that, that was a bad shot and then the Suns are starting to make their run and I think that's just kind of a microcosm of the Mavericks their identity where they're relying on things that are gonna you know that could really flip the tide if things aren't going like exceedingly well for you like settling for those types of contested shots giving up long rebounds and then giving up you know scoring opportunities on the other end that's just not necessarily going to be like a uh, highly successful, like, like if he shoots seven for 10 on, on like one of those nights where he is hitting those shots, it's a different story. But I think overall, like just thinking even beyond the shooting element of it last season, no player got scored on in the post more than him. Uh, like I remember vividly a lot of these games, we've talked about it as well. There's times where when you're facing premier wings, Jimmy Butler's posting up Tim Hardaway and getting buckets like stuff like that, where it's like, you don't have the size uh, that you need. And then you don't have the offensive skill set to be able to basically, instead of uh, relying on a contested catch and shoot shot where instead you could have had a wing player that is able to kind of get into uh, you know, like a late clock ISO and not, not, not necessarily saying that's got to be like Kawhi lettered by any stretch, but like at least, like more capable of creating a better shot than settling for that tightly contested catch and shoot three. And I think overall, like that, that's also a testament to some of the other wing players on the team as well. Cause if you look back to that Celtics game, 
something that really stood out was how big of an emphasis it was to just dare Derrick Jones Jr. to shoot like a lot of other defenses this season where they're putting the five on uh, him and not guarding and they're, they're packing the paint, shrinking the floor. And Derek Lively is having a wing on him and switching at the point of attack when he's in a ball screening action. And when there's no like advantage by the screen, you're able to stay tighter on shooters and then leave the ones that you want to leave open. And that just tells you that's a liability offensively uh, against switching schemes. And then it gets into another big picture problem where, okay, so you have Luca that can effectively ISO and attack that switching scheme. You have Kyrie Irving when he's available to play. And, and also with Luca too, because he's missed some games as well. So it's not like Kyrie is the only star to miss games, by, not by any stretch. But like the problem when you compare to the previous renditions of the roster, the Mavericks at least had a third isolation player they could rely on whenever they faced that switching. And the big part of that run was having that in the, the Western Conference Finals in 2022. And then on top of it, they shot like just extremely well from three for two rounds. Like Maxi Kleba played the best basketball you will ever get from him in his entire yeah. basketball <laughs> career. And a lot of like, like just insanely hot from three. And that's another factor where it's like you're relying on three point shooting so heavily. And just one thing, not to rant too much, but one thing that a ramble that I've uh, that's kind of stood out when you uh, cover the team over the last couple of years, they act like shooting results just happen to them. Like, like, oh, we had a game where shots weren't falling. They made shots. You know, the shooting gods sometimes just kind of <laughs> let you have one or let them have one. Tonight was a night where they just didn't let us have it. And shooting, ha bad shooting happened to us and good shooting happened to them. It's like there's more ways to approach the game than like, – it's like with the four-on-three situations last year when I asked about it, it was kind of like the only outcome is short-roll guy passing to a shooter and, and taking a shot. Like I think there's more ways to break a four-on-three than taking those those threes, you know, just just a lot of identity problems. I felt like for the roster and the approach to the the you know strategy elements, it's just crazy because I mean, and that's another gripe I have with kid is, you know, you see when threes are like okay, so last night for example in that Suns game they go up forty six to thirty. Luca's feeling himself a little bit. You know, he had like 24 points in the first half, I think, or something like that. Uh, and then he has like a couple of really bad heat checks. Like the first one, the first one you can understand. I mean, he's he is he was on a heater at that point. So he takes the first one, he misses it. It's like, okay. Well, after the second and third one, and after the 16-point lead gets down to nine. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You you would think kid would call a timeout. Like, call a timeout and, and regroup. You know, let Luca realize, like, tell him, like, hey, you've cooled off now. Let's let's do something different. Let's get into, you know, some kind of set. And, and not just have you dribble down and shoot a, a wild three-pointer that d- doesn't go in. But he he doesn't. I mean, I don't think – I don't think Kid – now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Kid took a timeout until uh, when they were – okay, so they were up 16. It ended up being tied before the third quarter started. And then Phoenix came out and went on an 8 nothing run into the third quarter, and I believe that was the first time Kid called a timeout during that entire stretch. I don't remember there being a timeout during the time where that 16-point lead was being squandered. So, I mean, I mean, that's one of my biggest gripes. He waits way too long to try and make any adjustments, and maybe the adjustments wouldn't even work because, like you said, there's just so many flaws with this roster and how they approach things, but – I would like to see them try that, you know. <laughs> Don't let the momentum swing so far in the other direction that, you know, you just mentally destroy all of the confidence on your side. So, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know what the answer is. I do think they need to try and find a trade partner for Tim Hardaway Jr. I think it's time. I mean, look, he's – He's a guy, even though he tries hard on defense, he just he gets lost so often. And he he draws a lot of charges. I'll give him credit for that, but every other defensive metric, he's a negative. Like he is and not like a major negative. Like <laughs> it's not it's not just like subtle stuff. He 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 need they need to get away from Hardaway and start new. So they're, they they need to wean off of having to be reliant on him. So we'll see what they do ahead of the, the trade deadline. I don't know. I mean, maybe there's a team out there that has a worse contract. And that my dream scenario, and it might not be possible, but, you know, if there's a team out there that has a contract that is viewed – because I don't, I don't feel like – Hardaway's contract is a negative contract. So I feel like it's more neutral than anything else because, I mean, he does produce offensively. And, you know, it's descending and it'll be like $16 million next year on an expiring. So maybe the Mavs can find a team that needs some shooting and they can take on a worse contract and end up getting some draft compensation out of it. That's my dream. It might be a – you know, that might be pipe dreamish to think. But, you know, I, I feel like they need to do something to not just get off of Hardaway, but try and get some kind of draft compensation back so you can have a little bit more flexibility to make other moves. Because right now, I mean, it looks kind of grim. I mean, they, they don't have much draft compensation to offer in trades. Even if they do offer the draft compensation, it's not like there's moves out there that can be made right now that's 
you know, super needle movers. I mean, there's some there's some moves out there that could definitely help this team. Like, you know, if they could get Kyle Kuzma or uh, Jeremy Grant or something like that. But, you know, you don't want to sell the farm or what's left of the farm. The home garden, I guess, is what you'd call it at this point. It's not really a farm, but, <laughs> you know, I, there's really just not a move out there that you'd want to do that for. So they've tried to accelerate this thing since Luca's rookie year by trading for Porzingis. It's set them back ever since. They've been paying for it ever since then. They still haven't paid off the Porzingis trade in full. Uh, you know, they've made some bad decisions. You know, Nico, I think for the most part, given what he's inherited, has done okay. But, you know, there's been some misses too. I mean, trading for Christian Wood and that not working out. Uh, you know, signing JaVel McGee to the contract they did and then, you know, having to basically eat that money now uh, for the next year or so. There, there's been stuff that just hasn't worked out for him. That Grant Williams, we haven't even talked about him, but you know he's been a major disappointment. And you know he basically poked the bear twice last night and then got out of there. You know, <laughs> poked the bear with a stick a few times and okay, bye guys, y'all handle it now. Since I and, and that's you. something that should honestly be a huge problem because I remember, uh, or as a lot of people like to say, I'm old enough to remember during training camp he talked about how he's going to be the one to take text and basically be a defensive leader and be a, you know, like a, have that presence. And what we ended up getting on January 24th, uh, a little after the halfway mark was him getting more text than Luca getting tossed out. Luca's still getting a tech. And the conversation after the game was about the dealing with referees and allowing a massive run I mean, it's actually, I'm not trying to be uh, funny or cynical here, but when you have a team that has Kevin Durant on it and he scored, what, 12 points? Is, is that what he had? I 12 think that's points, right. and they hung 132 points on you. Like, I, I don't really, like, whatever defensive leadership you were aspiring for or striving to, to gain – I don't think you're getting it. <laughs> it's just it's probably a little safe to say there. <laughs> it's been a major disappointment, man. I, I don't even like I'm at the point right now. If if they could trade Grant Williams for pretty much, you know, my I said what my hope was for Tim Hardaway Jr. And, you know, maybe they could trade him to a team, get a worse contract, get some draft compensation. Well, my other dream hype dream, I guess, for, for Grant Williams ahead of the trade deadline is maybe, maybe the Charlotte Hornets still have some interest in him like they did over the summer when they were considering making an offer in restricted free agency. And, you know, P.J. Washington has struggled for Charlotte this year after he was also signed to a, a new contract. So maybe they can trade struggling forward for struggling forward uh, and see if new situations – you know, help each other out there. So I don't know. That's that's the kind of thing. That that's how over I am uh, when it comes to to Grant Williams because I mean, last night was just embarrassing for him. That was uh, that was not a good showing. You know, st trying to act tough and standing over Kevin Durant. You know, disrespecting him the way he did, and you know, just to to have eight points, one rebound, one assist, and get tossed like that. I mean, I. I don't know. That didn't sit well with me, and I it, it was embarrassing. And you know, you know, people around the league talk about that too, and they were just kind of laughing 
at their TV screens <laughs> while that happening. Cause I just, I hate the fake tough guy act. I mean, if you're going to act tough, you need to, you need to back it up. And, you know, they just, uh, the, the Mavs as a whole, they haven't backed any of it up this year. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, that's all we're going to talk about today, though. Uh, it, it was disappointing. There's a lot of stuff that, you know, we wish could go different, but, you know, it just kind of is what it is right now. And there's no easy fix either. You know, coaching has been an issue, but roster construction has also been an issue. You know, Luca and Kyrie have been in and out of the lineup. There hasn't been time to build any consistency or, you know, there's all different kinds of excuses. But the main thing is the guys that go out there on the floor have to play with a certain level of passion, energy, fire, whatever you want to call it. And that's just lacking more times than not. There have been so many. Like the Mavs are four games over 500 right now. But like I said, they started out eight and two. They're an under 500 team since that first 10, 10 game stretch. And they're, most of these losses feel like blowout losses. They've had so many blowout, embarrassing losses this year where there has been no fire at all. And to me, that ultimately falls on the shoulders of Jason Kidd. There's so many different people you can blame, but Kidd and his coaching staff have to find a way to motivate the, his team on a nightly basis. I mean, you, that's what you got to do. You're the leader of the team. You're the leader of your troops. You know, you got to fire him up, and he hasn't done that so far. So, uh, you know, when you have situations like Adrian Griffin in Milwaukee, you know, who um, the Bucks are like 31 and 13 now, uh, second seed in the East, and they're firing their coach, you know, even though they're a good team, you know, it just didn't work out, and they could see that it wasn't going to work out long term. And they're making those kind of calls, but the Mavs are having having these issues, and <laughs> there's no uh, there's no rumors or anything about you know Jason Kidd being on the hot seat. I don't know about all that. I mean, I feel like uh, I feel like the the seat needs to be a little bit warmer than than what it's been so far. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, should have a lot of fun stuff coming up in the next few weeks. The trade deadline is on February eighth. So we are about two, let's see, yeah, exactly two weeks away from today. So uh, that's going to be a fun time, I'm sure. Lots of rumors swirling around. We'll see if the Mavs actually do something. Fun fact, the Mavs have done something at every trade deadline for the last seven years, I believe. So uh, the chances of them doing something are high. I don't know to what degree, you know, what extent they're going to, I don't think it's going to be some big splashy thing like they did for Kyrie last year, but hopefully it'll be something that can, you know, help this roster be a little bit more competitive down the final stretch of this season. Because, you know, when the Mavs are playing good, it makes our job a lot easier uh, to, to cover them because, you know, when they're losing, they're all in bad moods and, you know, not wanting to talk to the media and they're real snippy, you know, like we saw with Luca and Tim McMahon last night. So, <laughs> Oh, oh uh, uh, you think it helps uh, when they win? So when you ask about a guy who's been out since January 1st coming back, you get a, he was fine. He was minus like everybody else. So yeah, he was good. <laughs> no, he didn't get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was like, yeah. Yeah. yeah that, 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 that was helpful. I, I yeah, mean, that, I'm glad we got to this podcast and yeah. you didn't get hurt and I didn't get hurt. We were fine. <laughs> we were, we were minus like everybody else, you know? 
Yeah, that, I thought that was a little rude on on Kid's part. You know, was, I thought it was a fair question just to ask his assessment of of Exum coming back. But but you know, it is what it is. I, I mean, know, the letdown losses aren't like overly unique. They asked about Maxi uh, coming back, uh, and like you know what I mean. Like yeah. Well, like I said, I hope something happens. I hope they shake things up just to, you know, kind of help the team morale out because when when they're losing and everybody's pissy, it's not fun for anybody. So, you know, hopefully they do something because changes are needed. You can't, you know, the definition of insanity is doing something over and over again and expecting different results. And, you know, aside from that one stretch in 2022, you know, it's been the same exact thing, despite making a few roster tweaks here and there. So something has to happen. If it's not going to be the roster changing, then it needs to be the coaching changing. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. I, I, I'm kind of skeptical because of the relationship kid has with Mark Cuban and obviously Nico Harrison, because they were a, you know, a package deal coming in together, but we'll see how it goes. So, guys, appreciate y'all joining us today. Uh, be sure to go like, rate, and subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, follow us on YouTube at Math Step Back Podcast. Be sure to go follow Grant as well at Grant F. Seth. Uh, and we appreciate it, y'all. Y'all have a good rest of your Thursday. Have a good weekend. Uh, I'll be back on here with my guy, Drew Johnson, here in a few days. We're going to talk about some, some NBA trade scenarios, too. And, uh, Grant, if you're available, we'll try and have you on that one as well because there's there's so many. It's probably too much for just two people to talk about. So <laughs> I, I have a full list. So we'll, we'll try and work out something to where uh, you know I can throw different ideas at both of y'all, and we'll see how it goes. But uh, y'all, we appreciate it. Y'all have a great one. We'll see you next time. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.